0: The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here.
1: Sting. Okay! And it's,
0: it's Sting! This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Oh. I'm
1: gonna put some butts in the seat. <laughs> Self high five!
0: We've been hanging and banging, brother! You're next!
1: Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nitro Nights, an SJP World Media production. Looking back on WCW, Monday Nitro and all the other shows, basically one at a time as we go from the first Nitro right the way through to the very last. My name is Sai, and joining me as always is the Wrestling Encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, my friend? I'm doing really well, thank you, Sai. How's yourself not too bad, bud. Not too bad. Glad to be sitting down and getting another recording done and talking more WCW with your good self, bud. Definitely the same for me. A bit of an odd bag, this upcoming Nitro. A bit of a mixed a mixed show. It's going to be interesting getting into it with you. Uh, the Nitro we're talking about first aired on the 6th of May, 1996, and got an absolutely tankingly small television rating. It received one9 in that evening's TV ratings, which was crazy when you consider on the other channel, Monday Night Raw received a 4.1, which when looking back through the TV ratings up to this point, Danny, Raw's rating of a 4.1 is the highest show, the highest rated show, sorry, unopposed since the Monday Night War started.
0: Wow. That's insane. I mean, we were just talking before we started recording. It's just, we couldn't believe it, could we? No, and I went and checked out what was on Monday Night
1: Raw, didn't I? I, I before yeah. we pressed the little red button. And there's nothing. There's like Techno Team 2000. Um, the Undertaker wrestled for a few minutes. It just looks like an ordinary bog standard 1996 Raw. I mean, Shawn Michaels wasn't even on the card and he was like their main guy at this time. There was no Bret Hart. There was the, It just looked, it looked like the show must have stank. There was nothing else there. There was no title matches or anything, at, and for some reason, it picked up a four point one. That's insane to me.
0: That's it. That's wow. I mean, that's just still blowing my mind. <laughs> mm. uh,
1: I understand that basketball had not long started, and that kind of plays havoc a little bit with the uh, the TV scheduling on both stations. I understand Nitro sometimes would air a little bit earlier, so that may have affected it, I guess, and I suppose wrestling fans who don't want to watch the basketball might have all turned over to raw at the same time. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, it just surprised me knowing how the ratings have been, you know, fairly, fairly even, you know, nip and tuck, I guess, and the same sort of number of people watching wrestling each week. But yeah, the difference here was, was quite outstanding to me, but there we go.
0: Yeah, definitely. I wonder if this is the lowest nitro, lowest rated nitro ever.
1: I don't know. I bet there's some that come in 99 and so on. And I bet there's some segments in 99 and 2000s that are scraping the barrel around that mark as well. But we will get to that in future episodes, my friend. I can't wait, mate. At this week's episode of Nitro begins with our commentary team, the usual trio of Mongo, Bischoff, and Bobby Heenan. And they're talking about what is upcoming on this episode of Nitro. And we're told we have a world title contest right off the bat. We're told this right from the very start of the show. And we have the Giant defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Lex Luger. So straight away, my ears pricked up. I thought, okay, that's interesting. That you know, that, that's going to be a story development for everyone involved. That could be quite a quite an interesting concept, Danny.
0: It can, yeah. And we're finally getting it after weeks of being promised. We're finally getting the world championship match with Lex Luger and a Giant. Exactly, exactly.
1: We're also told that Sting will wrestle Stephen Regal. And we have Jusian Thunder Liger on the show. I'm a big fan of Liger. And he is facing Dean Malenko. So that's something else I'm looking forward to already, straight from when you press play on the network, my friend.
0: Me too, mate. Me too. I mean, we're heating up with the cruiserweight division now, aren't we?
1: Yeah, it's all heading very much in the right direction. It's all heading in the right direction. Uh, sadly, though, we have to wait a little bit longer for these advertised baits because we start the show with Hugh Morris, which is always a bit of a letdown for me. But he is going to be facing matchman Randy Savage, who I think is always, always relatively entertaining, at least. Um, thoughts on this match, Danny? It only went a couple of minutes, really, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it was it was quite weird. Um, it's, I mean, it's a sort of like a thing of where the Macho Man, who did Macho Man wrestle um, in a trivia game now, isn't it? Because he keeps wrestling these just weird, odd names that you wouldn't think. So, yeah, I actually enjoyed this. And it, this was the whole thing was um, to kind of show much how much uh, agony Macho Man is still in and how much angry he's still in, I found. So it was quite good. Yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on. It's very much
1: a case of really pushing this um, uh, uh, mad Macho Man character because of what's happened with Liz and his money. And Flair apparently now is using his credit cards. So I'm not sure how that works with regards to the name on the card and, uh, you know, <laughs> data protection and the legalities of it. But apparently, Flair is now using his credit cards as well. And it's all pushing this this factor of Savage being a madman because of it and being uncontrollable and so on. And it's also building up to Slamboree because the Lethal Lottery draw has drawn Savage and Ric Flair as tag partners. So how
0: will they function as a team, Danny? Oh, we can only find out. But also found I <laughs> also found out during the uh, Macho Man's entrance, Eric Bischoff mentions Hog Wilde. Um, I didn't know what Hogwild was because I was too used to Road Wild, but um, yeah, that I mean, I found that very interesting because we talked about um, the Dove W not promoting pay per views. Here they are promoting Hogwild in a sort of way before uh, Slamboree. yes,
1: this is true. Uh, Hogwild was it's effectively like you said, it's Road is the Road Wild pay per view in its first yeah. incarnation. Now, this, um, this was in. Yeah. Linked with the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, as everyone who who has seen Road and so on is familiar. And uh, Eric Bischoff, this was a big deal because he was a biker himself. Uh, it's a massive deal the fact that he is getting to promote a wrestling show at this place. However, and we will get into it more when we when we you know finally get to Hogwild, which isn't actually too far away in our in our timeline of our watchback now, but financially it wasn't a great success because people didn't actually have to pay to get into the pay-per-view they were there anyway uh, it was bikers as opposed to wrestling fans not saying that bikers are not wrestling fans but the it was a biker crowd as opposed to a you know very much a a primary wrestling audience that have paid to be at the pay-per-view and then they had to change the name of the pay-per-view anyway because the term hog as in the big bike and so on is very synonymous with harley davidson and the harley davidson brand company owners whatever would effectively say they were going to sue wcw for using the term hog in association with motorbikes without their you know say so or without some formal financial kickback so they had to change it from hog wild to road wild but yeah we're, we're coming up to that very soon but this is um so even to this day Bischoff still heavily defends whenever you hear him talk because he's a. As I said, he 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 adores the Sturgis Rally. He used to go quite often before even you know he was running shows there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, that's why I got confused about because I was like, I thought this was Road Wild, but yeah. Thank you for explaining that because Hog Wild that makes total sense. Yeah, no problem.
1: Um, Hugh Morris Randy Savage match. It starts with Hugh Morris jumping Savage early. Savage doesn't even complete completed his entrance yet. Um it beats him up on the outside a bit. The bell doesn't actually sound to my knowledge because they're still on the outside. But Hugh Morris still rolls in and out the ring to break the referee's count, which I thought was a little bit off. Uh and then Hugh Morris tries on Savage's gear, pops his hat on, pops his glasses on, which is actually broken by attacking Savage, starts striking a few poses before Savage fights back and then very quickly grabs his big tussled bright green coat puts it around the neck of Hugh Morris starts strangling him and then chucks him over the top rope and basically hangs him over the top rope and the referee disqualifies
0: Savage and rightfully so just quickly was he disqualified for throwing him over the top rope or for trying to decapitate him
1: I've got no idea.
0: <laughs> I, I hope it's for the whole hanging the guy
1: thing. You yeah. know, <laughs> I, I hope that comes before being thrown over the top rope. But hey, this is WCW. Who bloody knows? Um, <laughs> being disqualified doesn't hinder Savage at all, really. He e. carries on, is beat down, and actually hits him with uh, his elbow, his top rope elbow drop, and then gives the referee a bit of a slap. Other referees come down savage carries on he he tries to take the shirt off one referee which was a little bit odd before giving him a body slam and then he hits the referee with an elbow off a top rope so randy is obviously desperate to have next monday night off work it seems and he's trying to get himself suspended perhaps he's got a dinner date or something i don't know
0: i think so yeah but i i thought shout out to both referees because they sold this beautifully um Especially the first one, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of referee bumps, but obviously they have to make sense, but when they do, I mean they can be amazing. I mean, he sold it better than some wrestlers.
1: Yeah, uh, when it comes to ref bumps, I, I'm not a massive fan myself. I think they, I think they can be a really useful tool with regards to two wrestlers in the ring telling a story because it means that they can do whatever they like outside of the rules. And the bad guy can effectively draw as much heat as they like by breaking the rules without the referee seeing because the referee is unconscious. And, you know, I've got to sneak around behind the referee's back. It gives the, it gives the heel a bit more freedom, I suppose, to to do what they wish to do. However, I do think, especially in the Attitude Era, and then especially in WCW going into the later 90s, ref bumps were used far, far, far too often. And yeah. it's like it's like anything in wrestling, it, it, it overexposure kills it, and that I think is what happened with the, the the ref bump as well, I suppose.
0: Yeah, definitely, I can see that point as well. Yeah, I mean, whilst all
1: this is going on, the the timekeeper is not just ringing the bell a lot. We see it in WWF uh, whether where they ring the bell, ding ding ding, wait for a bit, and then ring it again. Here, the timekeeper is constantly ringing the bell like there is a fucking fire or something, <laughs> and and that drove me mad. It's like nobody has ever stopped anything they're doing because the bell is ringing. It's not a case of there's a big brawl and you know Brock Lesnar suddenly decides, oh, do you know what? They're ringing the bell. I better knock this on the head now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's never happened, and it always irritates me. But this, I think, is the worst case of constant over the top bell ringing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, same here. I mean, there's been some ones that just... It's like, come on, like, okay, they get the point. So why are you ringing it for like Mm. 10 minutes?
1: (laughs) It's very frustrating. And as a viewer, it's quite jarring, to be honest. That that noise is quite, yeah. Uh, After this chaotic beginning to the show, we get a still screen um, basically explaining about the passing of Ray Stevens and the Cauliflower Alley Club. Fire ear club yeah and how you can make donations to, to to this fund and with ray stevens uh passing away and he was heavily involved in this and so on and monday night raw also was um that evening dedicated to the memory of, of ray stevens uh, and so on as well so uh, early i suppose early cooperation between the two brands without actually knowing they were doing it i would imagine but it's nice seeing them both on the same page when it comes to the passing of of a big name in wrestling, Danny.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I mean, he was a pioneer. You hear about him and um, Pat Patterson teaming up and they had some legendary matches. And um, it's nice to see, yeah, a nice little touch here from Nitro. Hmm. Uh, the next
1: contest is the one I was looking forward to the most, really, even though the Luger giant world title match is is of interest. We have Dean Malenko versus Jushin Thunder Liger. And as the entrances are being made, we're told by Eric Bischoff that Otani is the new WCW Cruiserweight Champion. So I'm I'm starting to think what's happened to that tournament that they've been telling us about for the last few weeks, Danny?
0: I think it's all happening on Saturday night, and we're just not seeing it, mate.
1: I don't think it's happening on Saturday night. I think this is all happening supposedly in Japan, in the same way that Pat Patterson won the Intercontinental Championship in a tournament in Rio kayfabe always <laughs> mm, yes but there we go atani is the new ww cruiserweight champion and we're told that he should be defending that title at the pay-per-view in a couple of weeks at Slambury. so that'd be good to see as well uh we're also informed that macho man randy savage has been kicked out of the building because of his actions and i think rightfully so you can't have that kind of carnage on the wrestling show can you
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not
1: <laughs> uh rick flair then arrives and he is wearing a tuxedo and he is with woman and miss elizabeth and they are sitting down in what they're referring to as the vip section which is a couple of wrestling tables with a bit of a shitty tablecloth a couple of glasses of wine and some candles burning so
0: <laughs> that makes no sense does it?
1: no none whatsoever mate. none whatsoever um with regards to this match then i know you'd be familiar with dean malenko from what we've seen already in this, this this short time of our WCW watchback, but also familiar with Dean Malenko from his WWF days, because it goes into the, the sort of WWF timing that you would have been watching. And also Jushin Liger, I imagine you've seen bits of, but how familiar are you, especially with Liger himself? Have you seen much? And if so, how much?
0: I haven't seen too much of Liger, but I've seen the odd match here and there. And I believe he was in a match in 2015 on NXT. Um, I saw that match. But other than that, um, basically really nothing. But as okay. you said, um, Dean Malinka, I'm definitely more um, familiar with. Yeah, around that time, the early 2000s of the WF. Yeah, yeah. and Again... Uh,
1: this to me is is very much um, it's synonymous with WCW f- from this time. They've got some of the best performers in the world, best in ring performers in the world here. Uh, Jushin Liger is a massive name in Japan. He is an absolute icon over there. Dimelenko is incredibly talented, as we all know. Facing off here, and they're building up to this cruiserweight division, really kicking off. And they spend the majority of the match on commentary talking about. Savage and his actions being kicked out the building, Flair in the VIP section, uh, and also they—they're wondering quite a lot about what Hulk Hogan is thinking at home.
0: Yeah, this—I've I made some notes about that myself. It was like oh, just—I think you're right. It's, got, it's going to be have to be something we're going to be going uh, to look forward to in the future, isn't it?
1: Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I from a personal standpoint, I know how good the cruiserweight action gets and i know how good the undercard and in wsw in ring gets so i'm really excited about you watching that back with me and, and potentially seeing a great deal of it for the first time but we're seeing bits of it now we're seeing wsw almost dip their toe in the water so to speak uh effectively this match here it it like i said it almost works as a backdrop to what bischoff is trying to sell to you in a way d malenko works liger's leg quite a bit with the the premise that if he takes out Liger's legs, Liger can't go aerial. He can't you know use his acrobatic uh, high-flying arsenal against Di Malenko. Eventually, Liger does take control, however, using some of his speed and those high-flying moves, including a, a top rope move to the floor, which is quite spectacular. We then effectively get to the finish very, very quickly because Di Malengo hits an amazing gut buster from the top rope. That move never fails to look incredible. And then there's quite a few speedy counters back and forth, go-behinds and so on, without anyone really taking advantage of the situation before Dean Malenko wins with a sit-out powerbomb. And it kind of came out of nowhere for me, but I understand it's still a 40-plus minute TV show and we have other things to get to. So uh, what what were your thoughts on watching this Cruiserweight match back as a whole package with the commentary, kind of a distracted commentary team, shall we say, involved as well?
0: Yeah, very much echoing your statements. Is kind of like um, it took me out of it. It was like the commentators just saying, "Oh, what are we doing here?" The shots to Ric Flair and um, the ladies at the uh, VIP table. It was like, ah, oh, man, I just can't. You just focus on the match a little bit, but then again, that's maybe what they're um, saving for the pay per view. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, I didn't think of that. Good shame. We do go over to Ric Flair and I at the vip section mean gene nips over for a chat um i hope he's paid extra to go into that area otherwise what's the point of having a vip section flair doesn't even though he does mention it he doesn't seem too gutted to have lost the championship last week danny does he
0: no i was going right there i was like why i mean he was like he just claims that the giant got lucky and it was like oh he just beat me here nothing about really losing the belt that no um sort of like as you said like that just um anger or anything like that
1: mm. i think i mean it's obvious that th- it's obvious that everyone's moving on to different things in certain parts of the card for me because we have Slamberry coming up and Flair, it seems is moving into another program with savage i mean that's 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 fairly obvious it's been you know bubbling for quite a few weeks we have the stanbury match coming out where they're supposedly going to be partners and so on so that kind of removes flair from the world title picture for now the giant obviously is going to be dealing with luger later on tonight so we're told and he has the match with sting coming at stanbury as well so that's them occupied for a few weeks there i just Kind of get the feeling though that everything with regards to the, the top top end of the card and the way Bischoff is talking on commentary, they're really not not even subtly; they're really heavily hinting at yeah, we're just waiting for Hogan to come back.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's happening. Sadly, but oh, what can we do? Mm. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, Flair does talk slamberry. For a moment, and he says about he is teaming with Savage and they're facing Eddie Guerrero and Arn Anderson, which I think could be in ring one hell of a tag team. But he does warn Arn Anderson not to make bad decisions come the pay per view, which is an interesting little nugget thrown in there. I wonder what's going to come from that.
0: Yeah, I wonder what he means by that. Does he mean Arn take the pin, Arn don't wrestle us? Um, it's so, um, Lot of questions there. Mm.
1: It is. It is indeed. Uh, I suppose the biggest point to take away from Flair's uh, mic time here, though, is that he speaks of a killer blonde in the crowd. Danny, doesn't he? Do you want to run us through what he's what he's referencing there?
0: Yep. He invites Deborah McMichael for a cocktail, and um she refuses. Uh, she, he brings over to her. She refuses. It tips her out, basically embarrassing Ric Flair. And Flair just goes crazy over this, doesn't he?
1: He does apparently that champagne is incredibly expensive it's um it's pretty spectacular so <laughs> <laughs> and and I think Deborah and Michael in these these segments has been quite good because she's very understated in what she's doing. She's acting like a fan first as opposed to a character sat front row. Yeah, you know, which, which I mean, ultimately she does go on to be uh Deborah in the WWF, which I'm sure you're familiar with from the um Invasion storyline with, with Austin and all that sort of stuff as well, where she gets a lot more TV time, a lot more microphone time. I mean, that does happen in WCW as well, but I'm trying to sort of relate to what you would have said. Yeah, and, totally. And she does get a little bit more over the top with her her character development, shall we say? Here, I think playing wife sat in crowd, so to speak. She's she's quite good because she doesn't have to do anything.
0: Yeah, and uh, Mongo McMichael's mainly doing all the talking for her, isn't he? Because mm. he's just fuming, and I'm loving how that storyline's playing out as well. Because each week he's getting madder and madder. It started
1: off really subtly, didn't it? Really tiny little touches. So I think this has been quite clever the way this is building. But yeah, I wonder where we will head from that. Speaking of where we are heading, we then get another Blood Runs Cold promo coming soon to WCW. Now, we've seen a couple of these already, Danny, and you said you are pretty excited because you don't know what it's referencing.
0: I'm, How are you feeling now? I guess I thought I really thought it was fire and ice. And then I was thinking, who is this? <laughs> so I'm excited to see who this is um, or what this is, actually. Mm. Could, could this be a match or a pay-per-view? Anything.
1: Coming soon to WCW. Blood runs cold, and the graphics, and the way it's done, and all that. I think it's really cool looking. Uh, looking promos, I think it's quite effective. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see your reaction. Cool. Uh, after this, we get our promised match of Stephen Regal versus the still incredibly popular Sting. I mean, this you know this match here. Anything the guy does, the crowd react to. He is number one. To the WW fans i think danny
0: he really is yeah and i loved the entrance um steen seems to have uh really stepped out with the colors uh this week hasn't he like he really come out but um i noticed a, a sign in the crowd that says tnt is dynamite is that foreshadowing <laughs> yeah
1: maybe maybe perhaps that was a very young tony khan with already with ideas above his station who knows um <laughs> it could be yeah
0: actually see where that
1: nacho is and we'll see <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, sting as colorful as he looks and he has the number 29 on his purple and yellow tights which is apparently is the number of the wcw racing car which we referenced on previous episodes as colorful and as spectacular as his jacket is his face paint and everything Sting is still a champion in WCW, and there's no belt. I knew this was gonna drive you crazy. So, I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it really pisses me off.
0: <laughs> no, I totally understand it. It was like, yeah, I mean, did he just not bother with the championship belt? He was just like, now nah, I look way better without the title, I'll just leave it here. <laughs> That gold
1: that symbolizes my achievements. I don't need that shit. I'll just put more paint on my face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steven Regal is a mess, effectively. That's the only way to describe him. After his, his exploits last week with uh, Fit Finley in the car park, his leg is taped. His eye looks a state. He just looks quite uncomfortable throughout the whole match. Now, I don't know whether this is legit because he and Finley used to proper beat the piss out of each other. But whether it's legit or he is selling or working, either way, the fact that I don't know shows how good Regal is, I think, Danny.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's what I was writing down. It was like um, selling the after effects of uh, a beatdown from last week was brilliant. When um, I use an example of... uh, I remember there was a pay-per-view where Randy got split open uh, by Triple H and then the next night there was no... um, no evidence that he'd been uh, bleeding the previous mm. night and this is a week after, and it's like he's still selling uh, the vicious speed down. So hats off to Regal.
1: Yeah, and again, it's it's storytelling for me. It's it's storytelling. If somebody's been in a match where they've been put through glass and body slammed on the roof of cars and all this and hit with the bumper of a car and all this sort of nonsense if they turn up the following day or the following week without a mark on them, it kind of, to me, first of all, it takes me out of what they're trying to do. But secondly, it, it nullifies how brutal that previous match may well have been. Because if it's that brutal by sight and then they're walking fine and nothing's wrong with them the following week, it's like, well, okay, well, everything they just did isn't can't be that bad then. So that makes it more difficult for fans to buy into it the next time.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, it's not good, but this is this is excellent from Regal. Anyway, uh, the match I suppose is is typical Sting for this era, I guess, when he's working against somebody who is very talented at getting the the heel heat. I suppose uh, Regal tries to wrestle early on, but he cannot handle the, just the sheer power and strength that Sting has. We have a few quite flashy moves from Sting whilst Regal, again, is still trying to slow the match down and so on. And we get quite a funny bicep pose by, by Steven Regal as well, where he does the old uh, tenses his bicep, but then uses his finger on the blind sides to push his muscle up to make it look bigger. And then Sting follows this up. And I, want your, I really want to pick your brains on this, Danny, because this is very much of its time, I think. Sting follows this up by making a very... Uh, I suppose ill-advised stereotypical gesture for someone who he's trying to portray as being maybe a little bit on the camp side.
0: Yeah, this didn't age well, did it? Mm,
1: Not really, my friend. Not really. Have you seen anything like that before with regards to to wrestling?
0: Uh, No, no, nothing comes to mind at the minute, but I probably have.
1: Hmm. I I think you're right. It hasn't aged very well at all. But the the crowd at this particular Nitro, they got a kick out of it. And Regal reacted in a suitable manner to it. So I suppose everyone moves on. Uh, Effectively, Sting tries a Stinger Splash at one point. Misses this. Regal attempts a double underhook. I don't know if he was going into a suplex of some description. But Sting backdrops out of it but they don't actually break contact. And this ends up with Sting on top of Regal for the three count. So yeah. I quite liked that because it was st- going into this match. We know Sting is going to win. We know that's happening. He's, he's the franchise. He's the number one guy. Regardless of how much they want to push Hogan, Sting is the guy. He's not going to lose to Regal on an episode of Nitro two weeks out from a world title match. But the fact
0: he's not just hit Stinger
1: splash and then got the Scorpion. I quite enjoyed
0: yeah, I too, did too. I was actually, I wrote down a question for you. So do you know okay. what that move is called? Uh,
1: which aspect, sorry?
0: The move of uh, where Sting used to finish the uh, match. Do you know what that's called? I do not. So uh, in TNA, there was a wrestler called Homicide that used, um, it was called the Gringo Killer, but this is a reverse. Um, reverse gringo killer and um it, if you actually look at the how it's shaped it actually looks like a scorpion okay so i think this is one of St- I, I wrote down why didn't sting use this more because this looked like a very uh, effective finisher mm. oh, okay see i'm familiar
1: with homicide yeah um i'm familiar with tna obviously and uh, i'm familiar with the term the gringo killer but I couldn't tell you what it was. You could show me a video of it right now, and I wouldn't know that name was linked with that move, but I remember the name, you know?
0: No, definitely. I, I just When I saw Sting do this, I was like, he should have used this more, because it was actually shaped like a scorpion's legs with uh, Regal's arms uh, connected to Sting's arms and the legs and everything like that. He really should have used this more.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good shape. That's a good shape. Uh, we do get a little bit of news, though. About Sting's tag team partner Lex Luger, who is up next in a world title effort, he's
0: not even in the building, Danny. I couldn't believe this. How could he forget? I mean, I mean, he was just—why isn't he there, sir? I, I like the fact that you
1: could. How could he forget? As like, like, it's not that he's like, missed. You know, it, there's a plane been cancelled. There's other uh, flat tire. He's just sat at home one day. You know, on a Monday night going, I should be doing something. There's a <laughs> nagging yeah. thought in the back of my mind. What should I be? Oh, crap! I'm on telly! <laughs>
0: <You know? laughs> no, but yes, in seriousness, I mean, Lex Luger's kind of letting down the fans once again, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of this, because what what happens, we'll get into in just a moment, with regards to the title match and the Giant and so on. But the show began with, with Bischoff, And WCW saying, we are going to have Luger versus the Giant. The show halfway through was talking about Luger versus the Giant. Right before the main event slot, we're told it's not going to happen. That I am not a fan of.
0: That um, That is very much like Survivor Series 99 where uh, they promised Stone Cold was going to be in the main event all the way up to the pay-per-view, all the way up to near the main event, isn't it? And then mm-hmm. they ran him over and, yeah, they've already got your money when they've, uh, when you've bought the pay-per-view and he's not there.
1: Well, this is it. I mean, with, with the Austin thing, they knew the guy was injured, so they knew he wasn't going to work. So that was really naughty. That was, that was yeah. terrible. Um, with the Luger thing, it's the same scenario. I mean, I suppose I suppose from a from a financial standpoint, from from a from a fan standpoint, it may be slightly morally better than the Survivor Series issue, because this isn't a pay-per-view. So they haven't got people's money on the premise of something being promised. The fans in attendance wouldn't have arrived thinking we're seeing Luger versus the Giant because I'm fairly certain that wasn't a pre-advertised contest until the show went on air. So I suppose from a financial standpoint and a, and a fan paying their hard earned money point of view, I suppose it is slightly better from a, from a moral position than what the WWF did, where they took people's pay-per-view money and then just went, Oh shit, sorry. You know, it's, I think it's slightly better from that aspect, but I think of, Say, for example, there's young kids out there who are big Luger fans. (laughs) I imagine there might have been at least two. Who knows? But there could be young Luger fans out there thinking, I'm going to see Luger in the main event here. And they stay up on the Monday night watching the TV show to see their favourite guy wrestle. And he doesn't arrive. I think that's a bit bit dirty.
0: Yeah, uh, that's great points, mate. Because um, it's like... Yeah, you're kind of waiting up all night. But at the same time, it makes Lex Luger seem even more of a dickhead, doesn't it? It's like, why did you do that? Now we don't like you, Lex. I mean, you've done all these things to sting, and now you're doing this to the fans. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the match... I mean, we'll get into it now. We'll get into it now, and then we'll cover the end uh, when we should should cover it, which is at the end. (laughs) Um, uh, We introduce... The title match on commentary, saying Luger's not here, we don't know what's going on. The ring announcer introduces Lex Luger. You can hear him saying £275, you know, it, total package, etc. Bit of a mix-up, because they're still playing Sting's music from the previous <laughs> segment. But then the crowd are cheering, wondering what's going on. As Sting's music plays and they're introducing Luger, then the music cuts and Jim Duggan walks out. Now, of all the people on the roster, that I was a bit like, okay. We all know I've got a bit of a soft spot for Jim Duggan. I won't go into the story again. I've told it numerous times. But even I was a bit like, mm, this is not a good spot to be in for old Jim, is it?
0: Yeah, I, I was like... um, I got a little bit excited when Sting's music kept playing as as I thought Sting was going to run out and uh, replace Luger, which would have made more sense to be honest. But, yeah, this, I mean, this is the Giants first World Championship defence as well. Mm. And it's against Duggan.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, Luger's not there, they mention again on commentary. Duggan is going to stand in for him. He's volunteered to stand in, which is very courageous of old Jim. And the match basically goes how you would predict. It starts with Duggan jumping the big show as he tries to step over the top rope and the big show. I keep going in the big show. I apologize. Uh, the giant. He, he doesn't really sell anything, which he shouldn't, he shouldn't sell to Jim Duggan because the guy is the world champion and he's seven foot, pl- seven foot plus monster. So that's to me is I've got no issues with that. Yeah. Uh, Duggan for the whole contest tries to just punch and kick and brawl with the Giant, which again, I've got no issues with. That's Duggan's style. Uh, He tries to slam the the Giant once or twice. Doesn't quite work out. Again, it's quite a regular spot used when you're facing somebody of that size. I mean, the match here, barring when Duggan at the end tries to, to get his tape out to tape his fist, the match here really reminded me of the whole format used when Duggan in 1993 wrestled or might be in the very late 92 wrestled Yokozuna when Yokozuna first arrived on the scene and Yokozuna in WWF was destroying the likes of Virgil and so on. And Duggan on a very early episode of Monday Night Raw or potentially uh, an episode of Superstars or something along those lines. it's a very similar format. Duggan is the babyface, shouting USA, USA, ho and all this sort of stuff, throwing punches and kicks. The big monster heel isn't selling it much. Duggan tries a few body slams, doesn't really work out. And then eventually the big guy hits the finish to win the match. Very similar format here. I mean, the big difference is Duggan tries to tape his fist, doesn't quite work out. And he takes a brutal choke slam, doesn't he?
0: Oh, that was massive! I mean, Doug went on the top rope and he just failed, and then um, the giant just choke slammed him. And it, the sound—I mean, I think we've talked about this before—but the sound of the Dove's W ring, I just love that. I mean, it's, it's unlike any other wrestling ring. You hear that's just—you can just hear the floorboards even louder mm. in the Dove's W ring. So when someone as big as Duggan goes down for a choke slam, it's like you just hear just thundering. The...
1: <laughs> oh so, i mean Duggan's a massive guy as well this i mean we spoke about this on uh chain wrestling very very recently um well probably when this episode comes out it would have potentially been uh, last week with the big show in his wwf format name wrestling the rock it's very similar to wrestling Duggan here the rock is 6 5 260 plus pounds jim Duggan's bigger than that jim Duggan's 6 6 i think But he's definitely bigger weight-wise. I think Jim Duggan's 290+. plus. But alongside the Giant, these guys look tiny. Which, again, just makes you realise how massive the Giant actually
0: is. Yeah, definitely. And I'm loving the athleticism of the Giant. And um, at this point, he's still so young. And um, it's actually really cool um, that he's in the ring with these veterans and things like that because you can tell he's learning as well.
1: Yeah, and I guess... I mean, we've been a bit critical of the way WCW handled the Luger situation here, but we know that the Giant is going into a match with Sting in a couple of weeks. And I suppose we also know that whoever is the world champion is going to be straight into the uh, sights of a a certain Mr. Hogan when he returns in in a short while. So you've got to keep them looking strong because Hogan needs somebody to beat when he comes back. Cause I don't doubt for a second. Hogan's going to come back and dominate the main event scene again. It's just, it's just the way it seems to be. So if the giant is running away from the likes of Duggan here, running away from the likes of Luger or, or sting when sting comes out and so on, it's going to make the giant look very weak. Now I think sting it do, it's relevant. If sting wins at Slambury and sting goes on to face Hogan for the world title when Hogan returns that's going to draw money no matter what. I don't think that's that's an issue. However, the Giant and Hogan, we have seen it before, but I do think it's the only place they can really go with regards to that main event picture because Sting is still preoccupied with the Luger scenario. So you yeah. need the Giant to look strong for Hogan's return. So this kind of relatively straightforward victory over Duggan on Nitro, I think does help that.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it's like it's just making him look dominant and it's like um, yeah, it's just giving him that important win, especially after all the damage they did before, so now they're, it's rebuilding phase, as you said, to get to Hulk Hogan
1: Yeah Yeah, uh, we then just get a load of uh, random faces running the ring to attack the giant as he beating up Duggan um, one of them was Alex Wright. He got really properly recognised. The others were named, but they were that kind of in one ear, out the other sort of format that I, I didn't really pay that much attention to them, Dunny.
0: I got one um, that I was actually shocked to see. The Cuban Assassin. Yeah, I, was, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know the Cuban Assassin was in uh, WCW and um, here we are. I mean, I don't think we've seen him on that, have we?
1: No, I don't know if he was working backstage at this point. I'm not sure if he'd still be an uh, in ring worker. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, mate. But eventually, Flair comes in from the VIP section and he hits the giant with a terrible looking chair shot. And I'm not talking Mick Foley, terrible looking chair shot, look out for the concussions. I'm talking it just looked like shit.
0: <laughs> it did. It went into a million pieces
1: yes uh eventually sting comes out as well and the giant is still you know standing strong for for a moment or two and luger finally arrives and the giant runs off and we have mean gene come into the ring and he stands between sting and luger as they argue and everyone's kind of shouting where have you been where have you been including luger luger shouts at sting where have you been so that makes no sense you know, we know where Sting's been. He's been on television where you should have been all night, Lex.
0: Yeah, that was hilarious because um, it's like um, he was trying to take the heat off himself. It was like, where have you been? Where have I been? No, where have you been, mate? Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't come. <laughs> don't question me. Don't patronize me, mate. Oh. But, yeah, I, I did find I did enjoy how Lex Luger was dressed as well in those um, sort of like business trousers with a, a tank top um, uh, vest. Yeah, I mean, they call them
1: they call them Zumbas, don't they, I think? Oh, they're, yes. Like, they're kind yeah. of loose. Fit. They almost look like jammers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sting and Luger carry on arguing. Uh, and Luger, as the show goes off the air, shouts at Sting, have you never missed a match or, or never missed a booking in your career? Have you never had a flight cancelled on you? You know, why are you getting angry with me and all this sort of stuff? And you can see his viewpoint.
0: You can but-
1: it's just, I, I don't, I don't get
0: it. No, you, you can see his viewpoint, but I think the best thing about this whole segment was mean jeans, microphone, uh, continuously not working. Yeah, <laughs> so the... we didn't hear a lot of uh, what was said. <laughs> he had a few problems, didn't he tonight, Gene? He did. Yeah. I mean, he was running all around the place, the VIP areas and things mm. like that. No wonder it didn't work.
1: <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, I mean, that effectively is how this episode of Nitro goes off air. Uh, A kind of odd one for me, really. I mean, we'll give our good points and our bad points now, our woos and our O-brothers, our positives and our negatives, Danny.
0: Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother! Woo!
1: Brother! Do you want to go first or second, my friend? I'll go second this week, sir. Okie doke. I will start with my O-brother. I'm going to go with the main event because if you advertise Luger, who is regardless of in-ring ability or people's opinions of him, if you're talking about Luger being in the main event and you know, he's facing the world champion, that's a big deal. If literally as the announcer says Luger's name, you switch it and we get Jim Duggan, that's not fair. So that's my old brother. What about yourself?
0: Um, It was a toss-up between that and Sting not uh, carrying the Doves W tag team title belt to the ring. So I think I'll go with that, actually. Yeah, the title belt uh, not being taken.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, that annoys me so much. Yes, okay. Uh, My woo, my good points for this episode of Nitro, it was was quite difficult to choose, really, because uh, same as my old brother, to be fair, I, I didn't, nothing massively stood out as being, brilliant or terrible it was all just kind of there it was just kind of stuff that happened and it was what it was Uh, my my woo though i will go with the malenko liger match purely because it's the one i enjoyed the most in the show even though it was kind of an afterthought to some of the commentary what about yourself danny
0: it was has to be the crowd because the crowd was on fire for the majority of this uh, night. They were just eating up everything, and especially when um, Sting uh, faced Stephen Regal, they were really on fire. So I have to give the, the crowds this one. Mm. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Hit, miss or middling, bud. I'm going middle this week. So how about yourself? It's, it's a
1: low middle for me. It's not. It's not bad enough for me to sit here and slate. But I just don't think anything really happens. I mean, you get a little bit with Savage, but we've had that in the previous weeks. You get this thing with Luger, but I don't think you needed to involve the world title in the main of in the main event for that. Nothing really stood out as being brilliant, but at the same time, nothing really made me sit here and go, this show is dreadful. So a low end of middling, I think, for me, bud.
0: I get that, bud.
1: Fair enough. There we go. That concludes this week's Nitro look back. Next week, we'll be carrying on uh, in order as always. And we have the May 13th, 1996 episode of Monday Nitro. But before we get to that, Danny, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online?
0: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at ScottishJuggler. You can hear me on One Man's Meat with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on uh, back when with the great tyre peters and you can hear me here next week where with the great side Powell, where we'll be talking about nitro
1: we will indeed we will indeed uh you can follow the network that carries this show at sjp world media on facebook and twitter and also you know subscribe on whatever podcast player you use to listen back to your podcasts make sure you check us a a follow a subscribe all over the place check us a review as well and that's at sjp world media all over there and there's plenty of other shows on the network as well if you enjoyed this look back format week by week we do an nxt podcast as well with a black and gold full sail era and that's myself and joshua goodwin uh, an independent uk-based pro wrestler and giving us an insight into how he thinks the business works. Uh, we have chain wrestling as well. A bit of fun every Monday night live. and comes out on a Wednesday as a podcast too. Some science fiction as well. Doctor Who, uh, Quantum Leap, all have podcasts dedicated to them on the network. There's the Murder in Mind podcast, looking at an old BBC crime drama from the early 2000s. There's so much on the network now, it takes me too long to run through it. So all I can advise is that people follow us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, at SJP World Media. Subscribe on your podcast players and on the YouTube channel. And just keep an eye out and just give every show a try. There's something for everyone, as Mr. Mags on Chain Wrestling says. But most importantly, you can follow this show, at Nitro underscore Knights, on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Nitro underscore Knights. Danny, I've had a blast, my friend. Even if Luger is silly and Duggan shouldn't be there, Uh, (laughs) and the VIP section looks cheap it was okay it was okay
0: but will Lex Luger show up next week that's the question
1: maybe mate maybe we will see
0: I'll speak to you next week my friend take care mate